Welcome to All Vampires Are Gay, a serialized narrative podcast created by Corbin Rosewood. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all major podcasting platforms. If you like the show, please consider supporting our work. All Vampires Are Gay is made possible because of listeners like you. You can help out by becoming a patron, shopping our merch, and of course, telling your friends about the show. You can find all the ways to support us and more at our website, CorbinRosewood.com. Corbin here. I just wanted to let you know that if you want to send me an email, I absolutely love hearing from listeners. My email is hello at CorbinRosewood.com. Now on with the show. Episode 17, Stolen Memories. Welcome, I'm Corbin Rosewood, and tonight we return to our broken-hearted vampires, trying desperately to pick up the pieces and make sense of everything that has happened. Pendragon University. Victor was woken up by the mournful sounds of a wolf howling. He sat up, disoriented for a moment. Then he remembered everything from the night before. Freaking werewolves, he muttered as he pulled himself out of the bed wincing at the pain from his poisoned shoulder. He was sleeping in Jin's study, which was more like a storage room at this point. It was covered in dusty books everywhere, but she had cleared a pathway to a small bed for him to stay on and made him strong herbal tea to help him sleep. He made his way through the book stacks and peeked his head out of the door into the ruined workshop. Jin and Nick seemed to be having an argument, while a very tired and slightly green-looking apricot looked on helplessly. She should stay here, Jin was saying emphatically. I have many healing tools that traditional witches won't have access to. Nick howled again, his warbling cry even more absurd coming out of the mouth of a full-grown man. She's coming with me, he said. Her family can take care of her better than a bunch of weak vampires. Victor rolled his eyes and shut the door, limping back to the bed. That was someone else's drama. He didn't need to get involved. He lay down gingerly, resting his hands on his chest, feeling the poison inside his body and wondering how long it would stay. He slowed his breathing and looked up at the ceiling, trying to sort through everything that had happened yesterday. He didn't know where to start, from Robert and Samson's betrayal to Liren telling him that he knew his secret. Strangest of all was the necklace. How had it burned Liren like that? What had it done to him? He reached up and played with the small pendant like he usually did, and nothing felt odd about it the same grooves in the silver, the same somewhat dull points to the eight-pointed star. He sighed. Magic was as much of a mystery to him as ever. He heard a door slam, and then the voices in the workshop were quiet again. He sniffed the air and could not find witches or werewolves, only vampires. Poor Jin. He guessed Nick must have won. Victor closed his eyes and drifted off again into a dreamless sleep. Scene, Robert and Samson. While Victor slept through his pain, Samson and Robert were in an SUV headed downtown to Robert's apartment. Before we get there, I should warn you, I heard some, uh, intel about Belladonna Club, Samson said as they drove through the city. Huh? Robert said, realizing he hadn't been listening to Samson at all. He had been staring out the window and thinking about Victor and the cold look in his eyes when he told him to leave. 
Belladonna Club and the building it's in, um... Samson paused, looking anxious. It's not good, Robert. They rounded the corner of Smith Street, and Robert saw what Samson meant. There had been a fire, and all that remained of the nightclub was ashes and rubble. Robert gasped when he saw the building, blackened and shattered. When did this happen? Is everyone okay? he asked. Samson nodded. It was late last night, after the club had closed. They pulled into a parking spot, and they got out. The building Robert's apartment was in looked untouched by the fire. Robert looked at the burned-out building, and his heart sank. He realized his time being Robert, the cool DJ, was coming to an end. He was Robert, the double-crossing vampire now. He sighed and turned towards his apartment. I just want to grab some things for our trip. It shouldn't take too long, Robert said as he went up the stairs. Everything felt so odd, being here after the vampire battle the night before. He walked up the narrow hallway, but when he got to the door, he noticed it was already open. He turned around tensely and signaled to Samson, putting his finger to his lips. Samson nodded immediately and materialized a knife from somewhere in their fashionable oversized coat. Robert pushed the door open, creaking loudly on its hinges, and let out a gasp. There was a lot of things he expected he might find waiting for him, but absolutely nothing was not one of them. It was all gone. His record player, his couches, his DJ equipment, those little fairy lights above the bookshelf. Everything. He ran to the bedroom and fell against the wall when he saw that nothing was left of his wardrobe. His bed, his cute little nightstand. The whole apartment was totally empty. Robert felt himself start to fracture in pain in that way he did when things were really bad. He took a deep breath and did what he always did. He carefully stored each one of his emotions in little boxes, never to be opened again. He wanted to cry. He wanted to scream that it wasn't fair. But he didn't. He just turned to Samson with big, sad eyes and said, I guess all that stuff wasn't really mine anyway. Liren bought it all. And just my luck, you know. Now I've got to figure out where to stay, I guess. Robert pulled his arms around himself tightly, trying not to feel the pain of the life he had lost. The few weeks he'd been playing pretend with Victor had been the best times of his life. Samson surprised him by suddenly coming up and hugging him tightly. Don't worry, you're one of us now, they said. You'll always have a place to stay. We've got you. Robert hugged them tightly and was amazed at how much it helped to know that someone cared about him. Thank you, he said quietly. Samson nodded and pulled back. We need to see if there's any information here. Come on, let's do a walkthrough. Robert nodded and squared his shoulders, pushing his emotions down into their tight little boxes. They walked through the apartment together, going through all the rooms of Robert's old persona, but they didn't find anything notable. Samson looked behind doors and under the stove. Finally, they stood up and said, I just can't figure out how they got through the warding spells unless they have some more witches than we know. They would have had to be completely drained after the battle. Getting through those would be very difficult. Robert coughed uncomfortably. <laughs> um, about that. Samson stood up from inspecting under the fridge and raised their eyebrow. You had something to do with it, they said? I disabled the spells while they were being cast, Robert admitted. Samson looked taken aback. That's some seriously difficult magic. Robert shrugged. Nah, it was easy. As long as you do the spell when it's being cast, you can stop it without much effort. My sister showed me how. Hmm, okay, Samson said, giving Robert a sidelong look. Do you think he'll forgive me? Robert asked suddenly. Do you think he sees me as one of you, like you do? <sighs> I don't know, honestly. I'm sorry. Samson said, sighing. Victor is unstable. He's sort of been on a bender for a few hundred years. That's a long time, Robert said. 
yeah, he's kind of a hot mess. I'm really sorry you fell in love with him, Samson added. Robert laughed. You love him too, don't you? Not romantically, but like family. How do you deal with him? Samson nodded. Yeah, I love him, but I don't really know how to deal with him. We just sort of work around each other, I guess. We fight and we disagree, then I let him cool off for a while and we just fall back into each other's orbit again. Until recently, there wasn't many of us new bloods around, so we'd always gravitate towards each other because we didn't have anyone else. I hope he'll forgive us for this. It seems like a really big deal to him, Robert said. I guess we'd better go and talk to him, Samson replied. Yeah, Robert said quietly, taking one last look at the empty apartment as they closed the door and headed down the stairs. Scene. Samson and Victor. Go away, was the first thing Victor said when Samson opened the door to Jin's study. Come on, Victor, at least let me apologize, Samson said. Victor sat up, running his hand through his hair and looking for his cigarettes. That's not something I hear you say very often, he said, pulling a cigarette out and lighting it. He folded his arms and blew a cloud of smoke into the air. I'm listening. Samson cleared their throat, putting their hands into their oversized coat and sighing dramatically. <sighs> I'm sorry, they said. When Robert came to me, I honestly didn't think about how hard this might be for you. I just thought about the mission, and it made the most sense to not tell anyone. I swore him to secrecy and made sure he didn't tell you. So you admit you didn't think about me, Victor said, pouting. Yes. I'm sorry, Samson said, gritting their teeth. <sighs> Sometimes I forget about people around me when I'm just thinking about the job. That's true, Victor agreed. But this is really important. We found the dagger of Anshi, Samson burst out. Where is it? Victor asked. Highgate Cemetery, they said. Robert found out that Liren believed it was in London, and then I realized that Swain's Lane is where Highgate Cemetery is. I believe the book you found was actually right, and we just need to find the Rowan Tree at midnight and wait for Old Mary to appear, whoever that is. Jin, Robert, and I are all going to London, and I think you should come along because the Chevaliers are there and... He's coming with you? Victor shrieked, cutting them off. Are you serious? Of course, Robert's part of the team now, Samson said. After what he did to me? Victor said, furious. He switched sides and sold out Liren, Samson countered. He betrayed me, Victor fumed. It's a bit more complicated than that, Samson said. It really isn't, Victor said angrily. He betrayed me and so did you. Samson sighed loudly. If you want to see it that way, there really isn't much I can do. <sighs> but we could use Robert's intel, and in case you haven't noticed, we're kind of a home for wayward vampires. We helped Jin, if you recall. That was different, Victor said. She was in danger. Samson laughed. And Robert isn't? He's probably in more danger than Jin was, which is really saying something. Victor scowled. Can't you see he's playing you? He's toying with you like he did with me. This is just another ruse, I'm sure of it. I really don't think so, Samson said. He saved Jin's life, you know. Victor rolled his eyes. Oh, right, sure he did. He's dangerous, Samson. Look how easily he fooled me. You think he can't fool you too? Samson scratched their head awkwardly. Well, to be fair, you're a much easier fool. Victor glared at them. Some apology this turned out to be. I am genuinely sorry about what happened, 
But honestly, you can be pretty reckless when it comes to attractive men, Samson said with a shrug. What kind of checking did you even do to make sure he wasn't dangerous? Anything? He was a human, Samson. What was there to check? Clearly quite a bit, considering he wasn't even human. How was I supposed to know that? Victor asked. See, this is what I'm saying. He's dangerous and he's twisting things around just like he always does, pulling the strings and manipulating everyone around him. Are we still talking about Robert? Samson asked. Yes! Don't make him part of the team, Samson. You will regret it, Victor said. It's too late, Samson said, reaching into their jacket and putting an envelope on the bedside table. He's coming to London with us, and I think you should too. Your ticket is in this envelope. We leave tomorrow evening. I know you're angry, but you of all people know how dangerous the Chevaliers can be. Please don't leave your friends in danger. Scene, Robert and Victor. Victor was still fuming at Samson when there was a timid knock at his door. Go away, he shouted again. But the door creaked and Robert quietly walked into the room. He looked exhausted and was clearly wearing clothes borrowed from Samson. The drapey oversized tunic didn't quite suit him the way his silky blouses did. He was holding a simple rustic bouquet of a few roses and herbs tied with brown twine. Victor scoffed at the flowers as Robert gingerly laid them down on the table next to the plane ticket, taking a deep breath and absentmindedly playing with his curly hair. Now that it's quiet, I need to explain. I need to tell you about myself and how all this happened. I'm hoping once I do, you will understand, and maybe you could find a way to forgive me. Will you listen? Victor folded his arms and shrugged. Go on, he said. Robert took a deep breath and sat down on a nearby chair, then stood up again and started pacing. Victor noticed his demeanor was different. Although he had the strength and poise of a vampire now, he lacked the confidence and cool of the Robert from before. He seemed anxious and insecure. Okay, um, I'm just gonna start from the top, Robert said, staring up at the ceiling. I want you to know a bit about me, who I actually am, not who I pretended to be. Victor didn't say anything. He just lit up a cigarette which Robert took as a cue to continue. Um, long story short, uh, I'm a foster kid. My parents died in a car crash when Violet and I were kids. She blames me, but she's all I've got, so, you know, she's family. Whatever, that isn't important, sorry. Robert took a big breath, trying to calm himself. <sighs> okay, um, a few years ago, I managed to save some money and move to New York. I wanted to be a famous DJ, I guess. But you know, the classic story. I ended up being a busboy instead. I had a lot of bad relationships and wasted a lot of money partying. And then I got fired and my boyfriend dumped me in the same week. I ended up begging my sister to let me sleep on her couch because I didn't know where else to go. Part of me was, I guess, hoping we could become close now that we're both adults. But, you know. Victor smoked and listened, not responding, but not stopping him as Robert told his story. Robert twisted his hands into his clothes nervously, sitting down on the chair again. That's where I met Liren. Violet was dating him. She was obsessed with him constantly talking about how wonderful and powerful he was. By the time I actually met him, I was pretty excited too. So when he showed up, all magical and amazing, promising us supernatural powers and a life beyond our wildest dreams, it was pretty easy to fall into his orbit. 
first, he asked me to be his personal assistant, run errands, make phone calls, that kind of thing. But soon, he was telling me how special I was, how unique, how he had this special job he was sure only I could do. Robert looked embarrassed at this, but he soldiered on, determined to tell Victor the whole truth. So uh, then he tells me about you and this little plan, how you're this terrible monster who is terrorizing the city, but your one weakness is soft-hearted pretty boys. He sets me up in this amazing apartment and it's like suddenly I'm the man I've always wanted to be, the person I dreamed of being. I'm cool and interesting. I have these crazy supernatural powers and a fabulous wardrobe. I'm finally DJing and the audience is loving it. You are loving it. And you're like the coolest person I've ever met. I couldn't believe it when Liren was right, when you fell for me. I don't even understand how that happened. Victor looked at him with cold eyes, but didn't say anything. <sighs> Honestly, I was riding high, having the time of my life. But Liren was always there, whispering, telling me to do things, demanding information. I texted him from the Three Sisters and told him where we were. I told him where we'd be the day he bombed my apartment, too. Robert looked really distressed now, recalling what he had done. He paused to see if Victor would respond, but he just smoked his cigarette and waited. Robert breathed in deeply and continued. He told me all the time how evil you were, how I was helping people by distracting you. But that day on the beach, you were so honest and vulnerable. You showed me something real and personal. I realized there was no way Liren wasn't lying about you. That dream life wasn't worth anything if it meant hurting you. So I went to Samson for help. I wanted to come clean to you, but I wasn't sure how you'd react. They suggested being a double agent, which honestly was really smart, and I don't think you should hold it against them. They just wanted to help. I know I should have told you though, and I'm so, so sorry. I guess I just wanted to live the fantasy a little longer. God, I'm such an idiot. I'm sorry for fucking everything up so much. Robert took a deep breath and sat down finally, looking up to see what Victor might say. Stunning performance. 10 out of 10, Victor said bitterly. Robert looked heartbroken. It's not a performance. This is the truth. Samson may have fallen for your big, wistful eyes, but I won't make that mistake again, Victor said. You can tell me all the lies you want, but I've learned my lesson. I don't believe some emotional moment could turn you into a good guy. Robert looked terrified. He hadn't expected such a negative reaction. He took shallow breaths and searched his mind. Um, okay, um... <sighs> I don't know if this will change anything, but, you know, I saved Jin's life and almost died in the process, he said. <laughs> what are you talking about? Victor replied. That day, um, yeah, the bomb at my apartment. It was a ruse to get Jin there to kill her. I mean, I didn't know that until later. Liren told me the bomb was just so you would introduce me to your friends and I could infiltrate your inner circle. But when we went into my bedroom to heal you, I saw the runes under the bedside table. My sister had been working on the spell and she told me how it worked. It was a curse upon the person named in the circle. It would kill them without leaving a trace in 24 hours. When I saw the rune circle on the floor and saw Jin's name inside it, I panicked and I scratched it out, not realizing I would be cursed by it myself. Immediately, I felt the magic absorbed into my body. I nearly passed out when I went into the kitchen to make that tea. I believe the curse is maybe related to the Red Castle. You knew what that meant? Victor said, stunned. Robert nodded. Yes. I think Persephone recognized that I was cursed. I wish now I'd just said something to her then, but I didn't. I hadn't talked to Samson yet, and I had no idea what to do. So I just gutted it out until you left, and then I collapsed from the pain. The next day, I could barely get out of bed. The curse was draining me. 
I didn't know who I could trust, so I drove out to the Three Sisters' country bed and breakfast. I knew they hated Liren, so I thought they might be willing to help me. And I was right. They removed the curse. After that, I knew I had to talk to Samson and tell them that Liren was after Jin in order to hurt you. He wants to kill anything you love, Victor. He's obsessed with you. Victor thought about everything Robert had said. You got Vasya to help you? I find that hard to believe. She had a price, as you'd expect. It was steep, but I paid it. With Liren's blood money? Victor asked bitterly. Robert shook his head. It wasn't money. You know how witches are. She wanted something for her magic, I assume. Victor looked at him. So what? I'm just supposed to forgive you and move on because you told me about your childhood trauma. Robert looked crestfallen. I don't know. I'm just hoping you can see that I care about you and I made some mistakes, but I'm on the right side now. Victor shook his head. I don't believe it. Some story about saving Jin from evil curses might be enough to convince Samson, along with your little magical bottles of crimson whatever. But I'm not falling for it. You're a danger to all of us, and I hope Samson and Jin realize before you hurt them too. Victor put out his cigarette and rolled over on the bed. Now leave me alone. I've heard enough he said, his voice cold and bitter. Robert stood up and opened his mouth to say something, but nothing came to him. So he just sighed and walked out, closing the door quietly behind him. Scene, Victor and Jin. The next morning, Victor woke up early after a very restless night. He'd laid awake for hours, trying to sleep. Instead, he was just replaying everything Robert had said, reshaping all of his memories of the last few weeks into this new world order. He thought about all Robert's apologies, and he didn't buy any of them. He was a snake, just like Liren, and Victor was sure of it. He just needed to convince his friends of the truth. He got up and went into Jin's workshop looking for her. He followed the sounds into the library and found her carefully packing parchment rolls into a carry-on luggage. You're up, thank goodness, she said with a smile. Victor nodded, wincing a little at the pain. My shoulder has seen better days, but I seem to be improving, thanks to you. That's wonderful, she said. She was smiling, but she looked distracted and sad. Hopefully you won't struggle too much on the flight to London. I'm not coming, he said. What? Jin looked up from the stack of books she was sorting through. I'm not coming if Robert is, Victor said. That's ridiculous, Jin said. I know you're upset at him, but this is bigger than that. It's not about my feelings, Victor declared. It's about safety, sanity. He's a snake, Jin. He can't be trusted. He lied to all of us. I don't know. I trust Samson has vetted him, and he helped us free Apricot. At the mention of Apricot's name, Jin gulped a little and looked upset. Where is she? Victor asked. Jin looked down at her papers again, not letting Victor see her emotions. She went with Nick. They believe that her witch family is the most qualified to heal her wounds. I'm sorry, Jin, Victor said. I'm sure she'll be okay. Jin nodded, wiping away tears. Yeah, I'm sure I'll see her when we get back from London and we can, um, try to clean up all th this. Jin looked helplessly around the library. Perhaps the only part of her home completely untouched by chaos and fighting. Victor went over to her and scooped her up into a big hug. I'm sorry about your garden and everything, he whispered. 
Jin just cried softly into his shoulder, holding onto his coat. After Jin had cried for a bit, they had tea to cheer her up and talked again about Robert. Eventually, they agreed to disagree. Jin felt strongly that Robert could be trusted, but Victor just couldn't agree. Finally, he retired to the study to rest. Instead, he paced the small room, ignoring the throbbing pain in his shoulder. All he could think was that it was just like Julian all over again. Maybe that was Liren's plan all along, to remind him of that trauma, to dig up the past and make Victor relive it. That certainly sounded like Liren, but how could he know Victor would fall for Robert so much? The way he'd felt about Robert was unique. It pained him to admit it, but he hadn't felt that way since Julian. Actually, he felt something different for Robert, something he'd never felt before. Not really. How could Liren have orchestrated that? No, it had to be Robert. He was evil. Another puppet master just like Liren. That was the only answer. He wondered how much of Robert's story was even true. A little orphan boy, led astray by Liren's fancy magic? Highly unlikely. Taking a curse on himself to save Jin? That was just too much. In fact, Victor was willing to bet Robert never went to see the three sisters at all. It was probably all made up. Victor stopped pacing and looked up, his eyes shining. Now that was something he could prove. He put on his tattered trench coat, tucked the plane ticket inside, and gingerly opened the door listening for Jin. He heard the sound of something frying and her sighing quietly to herself in the kitchen. It felt weird sneaking through Jin's house like this, but he didn't want her to know he was going down to the tunnels. Jin would just tell him he was being overly dramatic and that Robert was a nice guy, blah, blah, blah. He could show them all who Robert really was. He just needed some proof. He tiptoed through the library until he arrived at the door to the tunnels. As he had expected, Jin had forgotten to lock it back up in the commotion of the fighting. He slipped inside quickly and headed straight for the potion bottles. After sorting through them for a moment, he finally found the one he was looking for, a small vial of truth potion. He knew if Vasya had actually met with Robert, she wouldn't want to tell him about it. So if he was going to get his proof, he'd need a little insurance. So if he was going to get his proof, he'd need a little insurance. He put the bottle carefully into a velvet bag and stuffed it in his pocket before slipping back out and leaving through the university entrance. Victor emerged into the sunlight on a busy college campus. He blinked a few times in surprise. He had completely forgotten that students went here. He quickly put his sunglasses on and moved through the crowd, trying to get away from Pendragon as soon as possible. As he walked, he was formulating a plan, but he had hit a snag. He didn't have a driver to get him to the bed and breakfast. He scanned his contacts, but almost everyone he knew was angry at him right now. He put his hand in his pocket and it hit a little scrap of paper. He pulled it out and read the name and number. Finn. It took him a minute to remember who Finn was, the young doorman who he danced with while he was super drunk a few weeks ago. Victor realized Finn was probably his best shot for getting to the three sisters quickly. Scene. Victor and Finn. A few hours later, Finn arrived to find Victor leaning against a gorgeous vintage car outside a warehouse. 
Finn's hair was neon yellow today, and he wore a fluffy oversized coat and neon nails to match his hair. Hey, he said, waving to Victor as he ran up to him. I'm so glad you called. Robert told me about all the vampire stuff, and I've been wondering about him since the Belladonna burned down. The Belladonna burned down? Victor said, surprised. Finn nodded. Yeah, and I went by Robert's place and all his stuff was gone. It was like a movie, all the furniture and everything. Totally gone, overnight. I was kind of worried about him. He's perfectly fine, Victor said tartly. That's not what this is about. This is about my offer. Victor held out an envelope. Finn took it and looked inside, his eyes wide. I can't take that much money just to drive you a couple of hours, Finn said, shaking his head. That seems crazy. You're not like some serial killer or something, are you? Victor frowned. No. I'll explain everything that happened with Robert on the way. Please, just take the money and drive. I swear, there are no strings attached. Finn looked skeptical and then looked in the envelope again. Fine, but I told my friend to call the police if I'm not back by tonight. No problem, Victor said, throwing Finn the keys. Finn walked over to the car, his shiny boots clacking on the pavement. He opened the driver's side door and he noticed the CD in the back seat. Are you a Swifty? he asked. Victor opened the passenger door, putting his black sunglasses on dramatically. I am a powerful and ancient vampire. You can't call me that, Victor replied. Right, right, of course, I'm sorry, Finn said. He paused for a moment, then said, You didn't say no, though. She's an incredible songwriter, Victor snapped. Now get in the car. Finn quickly obliged and fumbled to get the keys in the ignition. Scene, the Three Sisters. So that's why Reputation is actually her best album. It's an underrated masterpiece, Victor said as Finn pulled the car into the parking lot of the Three Sisters country bed and breakfast. I'd never thought about it that way, Finn said. Over the course of the drive, Victor had explained not only how Robert had betrayed him, how angry he was about it, his entire history with Julian and Liren, but also his opinions on most of Taylor Swift's back catalog. He had found Finn to be a very pleasing listener who didn't talk back with irritating questions the way Robert did, but instead listened to him intently. He looked up at the imposing building of the Three Sisters' country bed and breakfast and noted with only mild surprise that it looked exactly the same as the last time he had been there, as though it had not been through an explosion at all. He got out of the car and turned to Finn. You might want to wait outside, he said. Finn looked around at the somewhat spooky woods and said, Can I just come in for a bit? I won't be a bother. Victor nodded. Yes, but if you hear anything that sounds dangerous, just run outside and start the engine, okay? Are we doing a heist? Finn asked. No, I'm just going to talk to some witches, Victor said. Then why did you pay me so much to drive you here? Finn asked. Because I don't drive and I have plenty of money, Victor replied. With that, he walked into the bed and breakfast. Vasya was at the counter and she smiled like a lion when he walked in. Ah, Victor, you're back. Have you come to blow us up again? She asked. Victor looked around at the charming building. Looks fine to me, he said. I see you brought a real human this time. Another new boyfriend, she asked. This one is just a friend, Victor said. He nodded to Finn to go sit on the couches by the big fireplace, and he happily obliged, pulling out his phone to play a game while he waited for Victor. So you knew that Robert wasn't human? Victor asked. I did get some of his hair, if you recall, Vasya said, smiling sweetly. Shall we have some tea? Victor asked, moving towards the kitchen. 
Of course, she said, walking ahead and opening the doors. Her sisters were inside, chopping herbs. She nodded to them, and they made way for her to sit at the table. Victor closed the doors, figuring it was safer for Finn not to be involved. He reached into his pocket and had barely put his hand on the potion bottle before Vasya said, You don't seriously think you could slip some potion into my tea in my own house, do you? Victor sighed heavily and turned around. No, but there are other ways of convincing you, he replied. Vasya shook her head. Why must we be adversaries, Victor? I think we can strike a deal here. We both take the truth potion, and you give me the information I want. I give you the information you want. Deal, Victor said, without even pausing to wonder what she wanted to know. He put the bottle down on the table. Vasya poured two shots of the potion, and they each took one. Let's use the Helios stone, she said reaching into a drawer behind her and pulling out a fabric-covered object. She pulled the cloth away to reveal a thin slice of geode with gilded golden edges. Victor looked down at it blankly. What's that? he asked. You don't know? Vasya looked surprised. No, I don't pay attention to magic, Victor said. She sighed. <laughs> you really are a fool, Victor. Put your hand here, she said, pointing to the Helios stone. Why? Victor asked suspiciously. Vasya rolled her eyes and put her hand on the other half. We each put our hand on the stone and focus hard on the memory we want to share. Then when I say the incantation, we transfer. Each of us gets to see the other's memory briefly before they return to our own minds. Victor looked at the stone nervously. This isn't what I had in mind, he said, but it's what I want. This way I can be sure you are not lying, Vasya said. But I took the truth potion, Victor replied. Yes, but there are so many lies you can tell with words, even while speaking the truth. Memories do not lie. I can see what you saw. Victor grumbled but put his hand on the stone. Now tell me, Victor. What do you want to know? Vasya asked. I want to know if Robert came to see you to get a curse lifted, he said. Within a few moments, Victor felt his head get dizzy and light, and suddenly he began to see something in his mind's eye. It felt sort of like a memory, but also like watching a movie. Scene, Vasya's Memory. In the vision, Victor saw Robert sitting at the same table as him, looking very gray, weak, sweaty, and miserable. There were tears on his cheeks and his eyes were red and swollen. I don't know what to do. I think I messed everything up, Robert was saying. What did you mess up? Vasya asked. Victor heard Vasya's voice, but he didn't see her anywhere. Then he realized he was seeing her memory through her eyes. I think I might be falling for Victor, and I I've been trying to ruin his life. What am I going to do? Robert said, tears welling up in his eyes. You could kill him. Vasya replied. Robert looked up, confused. What? Vasya shrugged. No more Victor, no more problems. That would not solve my problems, Robert said. I don't do relationship advice, Vasya said. But if you want that curse removed, we can negotiate. Robert looked nervous. Uh, I don't have much money, he said. Money is worthless to me, Vasya said. Give me your hands so I can get a better look at this curse. Robert put his hands on the table and she held them in her own, tracing the edges of his palms delicately. This is not your curse, she said, surprised. 
The vampire witch Jin is who it was intended for. Robert nodded. Yes, I took it by mistake. Do you wish to return the curse to her? Vasya asked. Oh God, no, Robert said, looking upset. I took it because I didn't want it to kill her, but now it's doing something terrible to me. I just want to get rid of it. It would be much easier to just send it to her. We could do that with no effort. The magic is already pulling to be sent to its intended recipient. Are you sure you don't just want to let it go where it belongs? Vasya asked. Robert looked very alarmed. Absolutely do not send the curse to her, he said. There has to be another way. Oh, there is, of course, but it won't be easy, Vasya said. Or cheap. It will cost much more than a lock of your hair this time. What will it cost? he asked. At this moment, the dark-haired sister approached, her eyes hungry. My sister Ekaterina will take the payment. She feeds on good memories and draws her power from them. She will take a few of your best memories. Robert looked terrified. Take them permanently? He asked. Of course, Vasya said calmly. Her sister looked on with excitement. Robert looked so scared and small. Victor wanted to reach through the memory and comfort him, but it was just a vision and he couldn't touch him. Robert looked at Vasya, desperate and resigned. He nodded. Okay, but please don't take any of Victor, he said. Vasya nodded, although she did not say anything. The vision shifted to another memory. Vasya was talking to her sister, who held a small stone bowl with a dark liquid in it. Did you get it? Vasya asked. Her sister nodded. Yes, I took the memory of their first kiss. Good, we will need that, she replied. It was so clever of you not to bind your agreement with words, her sister said, admiringly. He's a brand new vampire. He didn't even notice, Vasya said, smiling wickedly. This will be wonderful, her sister said, holding the liquid like it was the most precious jewel. Scene Vasya's Kitchen Victor snapped back to present with an instant headache and a simmering rage. Why did you take his memory of our first kiss? He asked angrily. You weren't supposed to see that, Vasya said honestly. Why would you do that? What's the difference? Victor asked. True love is deeply powerful, and Robert is more powerful than any of you know, and in more danger, Vasya added. What the hell does that mean? Victor asked, but Vasya shook her head. I've shared enough with you. It's my turn now. Show me how you put the chevaliers in the mausoleum. Victor found himself feeling drowsy, like he was in a trance, and then he was walking through his memories with Vasya, showing her all the steps they had taken to lure them there, the friends who had fought with them, and the spells they had cast. Soon, Victor drifted out of the memory and back to the present. Are you going after the Dagger of Anshi? Vasya asked. Yes, Victor said, before he could stop the word from coming out of his mouth. The truth potion was working very well. Do you know where it is? She asked. Victor struggled to respond. He wanted to lie to her. This all felt like it had gone terribly wrong. This wasn't how this was supposed to go at all. He remembered that he did not know exactly where in Highgate it was, and so he confidently said, No, I don't know where it is. Vasya smiled. I see you're starting to understand why we use the Helios Stone. Victor nodded. Here's a little piece of free advice from me, Vasya said. Don't get that dagger. It will bring nothing but pain to you and your friends. You will make an enemy of witches everywhere, 
And trust me, you don't want to know what that is like. Noted, Victor said, standing up. This has been very interesting, Vasya, but I promised my driver we'd be back in the city tonight. Scene, Victor and Finn. For the first part of the drive back, Victor didn't say anything at all. After his endless talking on the way over, this was starting to make Finn very anxious. Finally, Finn worked up the courage to speak. Uh, are you okay? He asked. Victor looked up from the moody forest he'd been staring out the window at. I don't know, he admitted. Everything is so different than I thought. What happened? Finn asked. Victor told him what had really happened with Robert and the curse. How he had valiantly fought for Jin's life and lost something precious to him in the process. I just don't understand, Victor said, his voice pained. What's not to understand? Finn asked, confused. Am I missing something? Seems like Robert was telling the truth the whole time. He's a good person. This is great news, isn't it? No, Victor said mournfully. This is horrible news. Finn thought about it for a moment. Then finally he said, Look, I don't mean to overstep, but it seems like you're just really upset about Julian. I mean, they both betrayed you, right? It's like you think they're like the same, but they're not. This isn't history repeating itself. Robert did this amazing thing for Jin, and he's just overall a lovely person, and you're totally in love with him. That's ridiculous, Victor said, pouting. Ha, Finn said. You spent most of the car ride over here talking about him. He loves you too, and he's a vampire now, so you don't have to stress about breaking up with him because he's a human. Seems like a great situation to me. Victor opened his mouth to say something bitter back but he couldn't think of anything to say. He realized Finn was right. Robert had given up so much for him. He was the opposite of Liren. He reached into his jacket pocket and pulled out the plane ticket and looked at the time. How fast can you drive? He asked. The plane for London leaves in an hour. I'll do my best, Finn said, accelerating down the country roads back to the city. Scene, the airport. Finn turned out to be an excellent driver, and he made it to the airport with a few minutes to spare. He pulled up to the entrance and Victor hopped out of the car. Thanks for the ride and the advice, Victor said. This is your car, Finn said. What do I do with it? Victor shrugged. Borrow it till I get back, he said. I guess we're friends now. We're friends? Finn said, his eyes wide. Calm down. Don't make me change my mind, Victor said, laughing. Right, yeah, thank you, Finn said, beaming. See ya, Victor said, waving goodbye and running into the airport. He rushed through the boarding process and gave someone a $100 bill to cut the line for security. Finally, he was in the airport, his eyes searching the gates for the number. B-32, B-31, B-30, yes, there it was, B-29. He used his supernatural running abilities, not even caring that he might get noticed by the humans. He didn't have time to worry about that. Right now, he had to get on that plane. He reached his gate, and his heart sank. The chairs were all empty. The plane was already boarded. He looked out the window, and the plane was still there. He ran up to the counter. I need to get on this plane, he said. It's already boarded, sir. You're going to have to reschedule. 
the bored-looking woman at the counter replied. Victor looked around with wild eyes, running his hands through his hair. How much to get on it now, he asked frantically. That's not an option, sir, she said flatly. Victor looked at her no-nonsense hair and orthopedic shoes, and he knew she was telling the truth. He took a deep breath and did the only thing he could think of. He went full vampire mode, fangs hissing and glowing red eyes. He lunged at her and she screamed, stumbling backwards in shock. He seized the moment and leapt over the velvet rope closing off the entrance and bolted down the tunnel at vampire speed. He heard shouts of security guards behind him, but he ignored them, running up to the door and showing the stewardess his ticket. She nodded and waved him into the plane while his heart hammered at his chest. He looked at the crowd of people and didn't see anyone he recognized. Then he remembered, Samson always flew first class. He made his way to the front of the plane and busted through the first class curtain. He looked around wildly and then he saw an unruly mop of curly hair sticking out above the seat and his heart leapt. He bolted down the aisle and smoothly slid into the seat next to Robert. Robert looked up in surprise and his whole face lit up. You came, he said. Victor looked into his eyes as the security guard shouted behind them. Did you doubt I would? Robert nodded. Yes. Victor took his hand. Me too, he admitted with a laugh. The security guards entered the first class area, shouting. Samson leapt out of their seat and said to Victor, I've got this, before turning to the security guards and saying, I don't know what you think you saw, but my friend here has a ticket, and I'm a platinum member of the frequent flyer program. Victor turned back to Robert. Did you really ask Vasya not to take your memories of us? He asked, searching Robert's face. Robert was surprised. How, how did you know about that? Did you? Victor persisted. Robert nodded. Of course. Victor looked at him and saw that Robert was scared and vulnerable and a vampire. But he still had the same kind heart Victor had seen in him since the first day they met and the same sass and confidence. He realized then that their story was nowhere close to over. Vasya stole one more memory from you, our first kiss, but maybe we can make this one even better, Victor said, leaning over and passionately kissing Robert. Robert melted into the kiss as the airplane took to the sky, carrying them to London and a very unknown future. And so we come to the end of season one, with our vampires flying off to London and many more adventures to come. Thank you for joining me on this truly chaotic tale of love, death, deception, and romance. I can't wait to see you soon for season two, which promises to be full of mayhem, explosions, dancing, and plenty of fabulously gay vampires. Until next time, I'm Corwin Rosewood, and this has been All Vampires Are Gay, Season 1. You've been listening to All Vampires Are Gay. This episode was created, written, and performed by Corwin Rosewood. Produced and composed by Parker Frost. With additional production, mixing, editing, and engineering by the team at Studio Corwin. If you enjoyed this episode, consider supporting our show today so we can make more episodes in the future. You can find all the ways to support us at CorwinRosewood.com. Thank you for listening.